0: you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at FadeRouteMail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at FadeRoutePodcast. Get at us. Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D, and Z!
1: Welcome to this week's edition of the Fade Route. I am D, and with me as always is Z, and we have some Great sports headlines to talk to you about today. We have a blockbuster trade that took place, including the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Dolphins. We're going to discuss the NBA trade deadline, winners and losers. And our good friend Rob Adams joins us from the Hudson Valley Renegades. But we're going to begin today's show by discussing the NFL moving to a 17-game season. They're going to reduce the preseason games to three. The NFC and the AFC will alternate every year. With an extra home game, the extra game will be a cross-conference matchup based on the previous year's divisional standings and the divisional schedule rotation from two seasons prior. There will be no salary changes. They'll work in uh, overseas or um, different country games once every eight years for every team, but to the dismay of a lot of players, they did it. They were able to move through 17-game regular season. So Z, what do you think of the NFL owners' moves, players' reaction, and the future of the NFL because of it?
0: Well, let's be real here. 17 is an odd number. They're going to push hard for an 18 game. There's no doubt in my mind. Granted, you're losing an, you're losing one preseason game, and to me, watching preseason football and watching the first four weeks of an NFL season, they need as many reps as they can get. They need as much time together as possible. And cutting preseason is detrimental as it is. I do like the way that they are engineering week 18, where it's the cross divisional rival based on, to, you know where they finished in the standings. I mean, just for, I mean, just for example, throwing it out there, the Giants play the Dolphins in Week 18. That that's going to be a fantastic game. The Washington Football Team, as presently constituted, they're going up against the Buffalo Bills. So you have some things that are, you have intriguing games. You have the Saints versus the Titans. Can that defense hold up against King Henry? Uh, it, it remains to be seen. The Buccaneers are going to play the Colts. Like you have, I mean, you have some pretty good matchups coming up here, and it's impossible to finish at 500 now. So it's one of those things that it's going to look a little bit more kindly on teams where you're not going to be that eight and eight team. There- I know there was that meme about the Dallas Cowboys that you can't go eight and eight anymore; you can only go eight eight and one. So, you know, ultimately this is a speed bump on the road to 18. This is just to get uh, players used to it, get fans used to it. And ultimately I'm not surprised. It was inevitable.
1: Yeah. I kind of agree with you. This is a speed bump on the road to 18. This was their, this was their gateway to get there. Um, I like how they're pushing back on the overseas games a bit. I, I, My worry is is it's going to become a numbers game towards the end of the season, and you might get into a situation where now teams no longer have to play the last game of the season, and they might not have to even play the second-to-last game of the season, depending on how everything is going to flow, because this is going to be a cross-conference game. So this game potentially could take place earlier in the year, and towards the end of the year, you might have everything – wrapped up we see it now where a lot of teams aren't playing that last game of the season at least they're not toting their starters out there so i just see a situation where you might not be doing that for two games also it could create a disadvantage if you're giving teams extra weeks to to prepare or extra weeks extra chance to get hurt
0: that's very true and then speaking of getting hurt the one thing i don't like is you're not getting that second bye week you're you know you're you're incurring a greater risk without any additional reward other than financial reward, but you were going to get paid that game anyway. So I think that, I mean, they're going to have to get a second bye week in here somehow. Extending, I do like that the Super Bowl is now going to be in the second week of February, starting to kind of. Move towards the inevitable Presidents' Day Super Bowl, which they probably should be there anyway. But uh, it's it's a work in progress. It definitely needs to be improved. But you know, the NFLPA, you need to fight for that second bye week now. You got to fight for it hard, especially if they want that 18th play that the 18th game.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's going to come with the 18th game. I would I would assume that that's where it's going to it's going to pop up, uh, but. That was the latest headline. Big headline last week was the blockbuster NFL trade, in my opinion. 49ers trade the 12th overall pick, their 2022 third-round pick, and first-round picks in 2022 and 2023 for the number three pick in this year's draft. Then they, tr- they trade them to uh, the Dolphins, who then take that number 12 pick and trade it to the Eagles for the Eagles' sixth pick. And the Eagles get an uh, Eagles six pick and the 5th round pick. And then the Eagles get the number 12 pick, a 4th rounder, and a 2022 20, 1st rounder. What does all this mean for what is going to go down on draft day?
0: Well, you have to look at it in the context of the other comments made by Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Maybe they are paying a little bit of lip service to Jimmy Garoppolo, but they have no intention of dealing him. They now have the number three pick in the draft, and you have you may have access to Zach Wilson. You may have access to Mac Jones or Justin Fields or any of these guys, but if you're intent on keeping Jimmy Garoppolo, if you think you're not that far off, maybe you're taking a Kyle Pitts or maybe you're taking a Jamar Chase or maybe Houston isn't 100% certain that their quarterback is going to be there week one, and they're willing to... <laughs> Send five number ones for the number three this year to get somebody to cover their ass in case, you know, there's another lawsuit against Deshaun Watson. It's up to 21 now, by the way, boys and girls.
1: Yeah, it's real. You know, we talked about this leading up to the podcast, and I got to imagine they're trading up to get Mac Jones. And I'm not saying that's the right move, but you have to imagine that they're in love with. Three out of the top five quarterbacks. So we got to imagine that they're in love with Zach Wilson. They're mad. Mm-hmm. They're in love with Justin Fields, and they're in love with Z- Mac uh, Mac Jones. And we're assuming that Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one overall. But my only problem with mm-hmm. this idea set right is mm-hmm. that what if you don't get the guy you want? And that's why I have to imagine if they're trading up for Mac Jones, and they're saying, you know what, we're worried the Falcons are going to take him or we're we're worried somebody else is going to trade up to get him, maybe Carolina, so we're going to get him. And you know what? If Justin Fields or if Zach Zach Wilson's there, hell, we'll take that guy and we'll be straight. That's got to be the mentality. You couldn't have traded all this capital and not expected to get your guy.
0: That's very true, but you also have to take into account the scuttlebutt that the Jets were offered this deal first instead of three. For two, and they flat out rejected it. So it makes you wonder where they're going with this. do Do they believe that the Jets aren't going to take if Jones is their guy? Do they think the Jets are going to take Wilson? Do they think they're going to trade back to, you know, maybe where Carolina is picking or maybe where Denver's picking? I mean, who knows what are the Jets? We need to include the Jets in this thought process too because. They, I mean, according to reports, they refused this deal before the Dolphins said yes.
1: See, the the issue with the Jets right now is you almost, I mean, I've been lobbying for them to trade out of this pick for weeks, but now you almost have to trade out of this pick, right? Because if you take Zach Wilson, and he turns out to be the next Mitch Trubisky, you jack this up, right? If you go and take the Alabama receiver— Devantis Smith and then all of us or or if you try if you think about taking Waddle or you take an offensive tackle and then the 49ers come in and they take Mac Jones or they take Justin Fields or they take Zach Wilson and that guy turns out to be a stud, disaster. Disaster. You are now in the driver's seat because now you have to look at it like this. All the, all the teams in the NFL saw the 49ers trade up to get mm-hmm. essentially a quarterback, right? So your pitch to any team who's looking for an upgrade at quarterback or a new quarterback is, listen, you already know that the 49ers were willing to give up this much to get one of these three guys. We're willing to bet it's this guy. And with our pick, we're going to take this guy. And so if you trade with us now, you could get this guy. And if that doesn't make a team like the Atlanta Falcons say, man, if the 49ers are willing to give up this much to get Mac Jones, I think we got to get Mac Jones. Or or if you think to yourself, man, if the 49ers, if, if you're Carolina, the 49ers are willing to give up this much to get Zach Wilson, gosh, we got to just bet the farm on Zach Wilson because look at how well the 49ers have drafted the last couple of years. They don't mess this up. They don't miss. So th- this is your opportunity to say this pick, not number two is worth everything right now. And the best part is you could essentially trade out of this pick, get more capital and still get one of the top five quarterbacks. Like you're still not going to be in a bad position. It's almost like the draft from a couple years ago when you had, you had Baker, you had Allen, you had, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, and you had and you had Sam Darnold, you were guaranteed to get one of those guys if you were in the top five, top ten picks. Is that bad? I mean, unless you drafted Josh Rosen, then you're in trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like every every draft has a stinker. Some of them have a couple of them, but um, if I'm Joe Douglas. I'm floating some stuff out there man you about know. how much I love Mac Jones and he's going to look right, great exactly. in the Jets uniform right. and I'm playing chicken with the 49ers. Right. I'm not talking right. about the Panthers, I'm not talking to the Bears. I'm not talking to those guys. I'm trying to see how willing the 49ers are willing to move up, up one the, spot yeah,
1: 100%. One
0: spot. Right. Because they're scared shitless they're not going to get their guy. And
1: the other team you have to think about is Chicago. Because they're stupid enough to trade a whole bunch for nothing. For nothing. They've done it it once before. And this time, (laughs) wait, wait, wait. This time, they have a chance to throw it in the 49ers' face. Because the 49ers were the team that duped them last time. So now they have a chance to get back at them. Move into number two and take the guy the 49ers wanted or trade into that spot and be like, Kyle, John, I'm open for business. We're going to take this guy. What do you what? what? And and because like I said, you have to imagine that it's got to be Mac Jones. You cannot issue. You cannot trade up and think you're going to get Zach Wilson. Or think you're going to get Justin Fields. You can't. You have to assume worst case scenario is the guy that we like the most. Because if you trade it up and you don't get your guy, don't give me that, oh, well, we like all five or we like three of the top five. No, 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 no. You moved up to get a certain guy. And you got to hope you get him.
0: That's very true. And what are the odds that the Bears and the Jets work out a deal and the, the Bears take the guy they think the Niners want, but it turns out to be a colossal failure. Like, knowing <laughs> Ryan Pace, it's pretty friggin' good.
1: Just because, yeah, just because the Bears are involved, I say it's very highly likely. But, I mean, at this point, if you're pacing you're, and, and, and you're sitting there, it's like, man, I've screwed this up so far. What's another screw up? I'm still gonna be here, so whatever. Very true.
0: So, I mean, the Niners are the clear winner. I mean, Miami is coming out pretty good too. They didn't drop that far. They went from three to six, and they didn't need a quarterback anyway. If they believe in Tua, so I mean, maybe they'll take Pitts to go with gesicki or maybe they'll bring in a wideout. Uh, you know, they they have some options. They can take best player available there. And as far as the Eagles go, obviously Taylor's thinking. I don't know what the hell he's thinking. <laughs>
1: No, they did okay because they they traded back, but they they got some capital for future drafts. They're gonna they're gonna work it out with Jalen Hurts. I would assume they they pulled back because they're gonna take a wide receiver, and uh, or if their wide receiver is not there, they'll get a defensive player. I, I think I think I think they're gonna be okay.
0: I I don't know. I think they need linemen. I think they need interior offensive linemen. Like they, <laughs> that's definitely an issue with it. I mean, the the Eagles need so much. Yeah, that's the thing. You can't really pinpoint. You can't really pinpoint what the Eagles need because they need so much, and they were so terrible last year. But I mean, you kind of have to go best player available at that point, unless there's somebody. Who's kind of falling? Who does the Brady Quinn fall or the Aaron Rodgers fall? And then somebody's willing to kind of trade up to make maybe uh, maybe they're the Patriots. Maybe you know if they don't get their if they if their guys available, and has done the drop, they might make the move. Yeah, I mean, I'm somebody not, might. Yeah, make the move. I'm not maybe sure. the Washington Football Team too.
1: Could be, could be. Uh, but speaking about moves, uh, NBA trade deadline has passed. Uh, we had players going to different places uh Raptors guard Kyle Lowry didn't play he was expected to be traded didn't quite make it out of his situation but I mean there were obvious winners and losers uh so out of all the trades that went on at the trade deadline and people that opted out but then got connected with another team who would you say were the biggest winners and losers of the trade deadline
0: If this 10-day contract with Boogie Cousins goes into effect, because they're discussing it right now as we speak, I like what the Clippers are doing, bringing in Rajon Rondo for Lou Williams. I mean, you can only be six-man of the year so many times. This gives you a point guard with killer instinct. Playoff Rondo is a real thing. Um, Victor Oladipo of the Miami Heat was a great idea in theory, but he is not suited up yet. So I'm going to hold out judgment on that. Uh, Vucevic to the Bulls, it hasn't been great so far. It's only been a few games. He needs to learn how to, you know, be on the court with Zach Levine and vice versa. You know, keeping Kyle Lauer is probably a great move on their part uh, for the Raptors. Trading Powell doesn't really do much. Ultimately, I got to say, I really like what the Clippers did best of all.
1: That's, it's interesting, but you're, you're basing that off of them getting Rondo and possibly getting Cousins. Correct. All right. Uh, I mean, how could you not like what the Nets did, especially if if this LaMarcus Aldridge, the beast Aldridge works out. Uh, This happened shortly after the trade line. He asked for a buyout of his contract with the Spurs and, Cleared waivers and that scooped him up because that's where he wanted to sign. I actually really liked the signing of the Ma- of the trade the Mavericks made to get JJ Redick, and I hate JJ. Jay- you said,
0: well, 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 hang on, hang on. I just want to make sure I heard this. Yeah. you said something good about JJ. <laughs> yeah, Redick. I
1: know. I am. I hate the guy, and I think he's terrible. He's actually having an awful year. And I just, before we got on the air, I read about how he's upset that he got traded to Dallas because he got, because he asked to be traded to the Northeast. It's like, dude, you don't, you're not good enough to tell people where you get traded. If you want to get traded somewhere, play better. But having said that, I think he's a good addition to their team because he is a decent shooter and the change of scenery, he might play better down there. Uh, he's going to get open looks because there's just daggers all over the court for that Mavericks team. I thought the Clippers, Heat and Sixers all really missed a chance to get Kyle Lowry. How could they not think the Ed and Kyle Lowry, regardless of what the cost was, would not put them over the top? I, I just, I, I mean, I, I get it, you know, with, with the Clippers, you're right. I mean, Rondo's Rondo is a good player and, Boogie Cousins would, you know, he he. It's it doesn't hurt them to add him. 76ers could have really used Kyle, even if he's just playing the two guard for them. And Oladipo is good, but Oladipo always hurt. I mean, the Heat, if they had Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, come on, you're not you're gonna make the playoffs with that team. And I think the no, I think the biggest playoffs. loser was the Boston Celtics. Danny Ainge. Man, they go and get Evan Fournier, who gives them a big fuck you by going over thirteen in his team debut. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. Man, took a dump on the park. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> uh, so oh that that God. that's where I sit. Uh, that's where I sit on the winners and losers in the NBA trade deadline.
0: True. I mean, I don't even count the LaMarcus Aldridge thing with the Nets because the Nets are, you know. They're playing three-dimensional chess. Everybody else is playing checkers, and they're just, like, building this ridiculous super team. So, I mean, seriously, you added Blake Griffin already. You're going to get Durant back. You're going to get Kyrie back. Now you add LaMarcus Aldridge? Like, seriously? Like, seriously.
1: This is this is what Adam Silver wanted, though. This is Adam Silver's NBA. He wants super teams, and he got them. You're right. It's an embarrassment. I mean, I, they actually were losing earlier today. I don't know if they're going to come back and win. But, I mean, just pencil them in for the championship now. I mean, up until this point, I've been a doubter. I've been saying that they need a little bit more. But then they had Blake Griffin. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> I guess if he plays like 2015, Blake Griffin, which he is, he's dunking the basketball. His assists are up. He's taking jump shots. It's like, who is this guy? And and now you add LaBeast Aldridge, He's going to wind up starting over DeAndre Jordan. I mean, he can hit all kinds of jump shots, he's got a post game, he grabs rebounds. Now I'm a believer. I mean, and James Harden is the MVP. You don't even he don't even need Kyrie and Durant to come back. They he Harden could win with these guys. Well, after, the,
0: after that crazy Instagram rant he uh, unleashed against Michael Rappaport, he might be sitting for a little bit in addition to his injury rehab. So, I don't know, KD might be out for a little bit. But Lamarcus Aldridge, he's doing he's averaging 14-5-2 this year. I mean, he's definitely a complimentary player, but like he's probably going to be revitalized. Look at what happened to James Harden. Look what happened to Blake Griffin, like, winning cures all. There, and... Yeah, I mean
1: their their potential lineup is going to be Harden, Kyrie, Joe Harris, probably LaMarcus Aldridge and Kevin Durant. And then you could if you can have LaMarcus Aldridge, DeAndre Jordan or Blake Griffin come off the bench. I mean, they have it all. I mean, the one question right now is is can the Lakers get healthy enough to p- finish the regular season and then really give them a hard time? In the championship game I I don't think the addition of Rondo And Boogie Is going to really Stop the Nets From stomping them out And then everyone keeps overlooking the Jazz <laughs> Jazz could potentially get swept By this Nets team Well, I mean
0: That's the thing The Jazz I'm not 100% sure that they're going I mean, you start out so hot You eventually can flame out and i don't even know if they even make it to the western conference final they just got they were just so good so fast and they might have they they might not have anything left by the time that comes around that's where having a veteran presence kind of takes you to that next level cuz you can kind of pump the brakes a little bit you can kind of you know realize hey we don't need to be 31 and 2 like we don't need that we can kind of slow down a little bit and pace ourselves and be there at the end when it matters. I mean, Portland might, I mean, Portland might still be in this thing with Powell. I I don't know how that's going to work out. And they got mellow. They got Lillard. They got McCollum. They still got players, Denver. They added Aaron Gordon. I don't know how that's going to necessarily work with them. He's going to bring them, you know, a little bit more oomph that they lost from uh, Jeremy Grant leaving. So, I mean, the western conference is definitely going to be a war of attrition the eastern conference it's going to be like it's going to be a sucker punch basically you're going to get if the nets get caught they're going to get caught with a lucky shot whether it's an injury or something like that cuz you look at the bucks the bucks aren't good enough you look at the sixers the sixers aren't good enough at least on paper but that's why you play the game
1: well it's crazy because you know the bucks i feel like took a huge step back this year it's and the teams we thought were going to be competing like Miami's in the sixth spot right now. Hawks are in the seventh spot. The Celtics are in the eighth spot. Bulls are uh, the the Pacers are in the ninth spot. Like we thought, the Pacers and the Celtics were going to compete this year. The Hornets are the four. Yeah. The Bucs are the three, and the Knicks are the five. The Knicks are the five.
0: What what world are we living in where the New York Knicks are actually in the, the Knicks mix? are in
1: the five? I mean, listen, you got to play the games, but the Nets would need like five injuries at this point to collapse. As long as they have James Harden, they're going to, they're going to be okay. Uh, but,
0: and and a motivated James, motivated James
1: Harden. And you can count on the Nets being in the championship. One of the things that I thought we could count on was Michigan beating UCLA yesterday. And man, was I wrong? UCLA 11 seed. Takes out number one Michigan, a number one seed, 51-49, to ridiculously low score. Michigan goes the last five minutes without a basket. Their best player, who is projected to be a top 10 NBA draft pick, only scores four points. That's Franz Wagner, just in case anybody was wondering who that is. And I guess UCLA is the Cinderella team this year.
0: Well, I mean, we were focusing on two games. It was Michigan and UCLA and then Gonzaga at USC and Gonzaga steamrolled USC. So that leaves you with the little engine that could here, which is insane when you consider the pedigree that is UCLA basketball. We're talking Bill Walton. We're talking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We're talking John Wooden. And they're the little engine that could now. So, it was the Johnny Juzang show. Like, he was 11-19, 28 points in 38 minutes. I mean, n- nobody was even close on his team. Campbell had 11. Like, that was the Somebody
1: foul him, hurt score. him? Like, at some point, you got to be in the huddle. You're drawing hours. Like, yo, somebody clipped this kid. Like, are you kidding me? He. That's the funny part. He got clipped against Michigan State.
0: He was, he's been hurt. He's been hurt since the play-in game. But he's, like, this kid is showing me something you know and when the Dickinson is the only Michigan player who ended up in double digits and that's just you know when it's not falling for you it's not falling for you
1: but one for 10 you know, from the Franz Wagner one for 10 for the field and I, I lo- they only had one player in double digits and this was yeah. this was the game to go to the final four you were against an 11 seed. And this is how you played? Eli Brooks, who is my favorite player in Michigan, he only had eight points. I scored eight points in my first high school basketball game, man. Like, come on. I, I, I think we should all feel cheated because we're not going to get to see Michigan against Gonzaga. And that's, that's the worst part about this is that that's what we wanted to see. Now we have UCLA, who's going to be playing Gonzaga, which they're going to get. They're going to get they're going to get whopped. And then you have Baylor and Houston, which has the chance to be a really good game. And if you think about it, Gonzaga has a chance to beat us. They beat USC. They have a chance to beat UCLA and get to the final and get to the championship. What a, what an impressive thing that would be for Gonzaga.
0: Well, it seems to be a crash course with them and Baylor. That's for sure. I mean, Houston can definitely play a spoiler though because. I mean, they got what two ones and a two, or the two ones, something like that. And it's just like the NCAA selection committee got what they wanted for the most part. But inevitably, these guys have been going back and forth all year. It's been Gonzaga, Baylor, Gonzaga, Baylor. And I think that is what they're going to be banking on. But I just want to take the time and pour one out for everybody, everybody's (laughs) brackets that had Michigan. Like, we're all done.
1: So, I think the the problem I have is I you know when it when it come when it comes to college basketball, I you know I guess you're okay with the Cinderella story, but ultimately you want to see the you want to see the best teams in the Final Four. UCLA is not one of the best is not one of the best four teams. Uh, not after scoring fifty one points, and it's great that they won the playing game and they got here, but I mean this isn't this isn't really how it's supposed to go down like if you compare them to like george mason george mason was a great school like they had a great tournament like they were playing fantastic i mean i think michigan lost that game more than ucl won it especially in the final possession they missed twos threes rebounds layups like who's on the take here
0: (laughs) well i mean at some point i mean you do get tight You know that you're supposed to win this game. You know you're the number one seed. And granted, they've been without their best player, but Livers has been out the entire time. It's not like he just... Right, this wasn't a
1: surprise. He He didn't lose. They didn't lose him last game. Even guys have been crushing. They crushed people. They crushed Florida State.
0: Yeah, but they got punched. They got and punched. they didn't know they how to handle Mike
1: it. Mike Tyson, I'm looking for my mouthpiece on the floor. And I don't know if Jawan Howard's to blame here. I don't know if he didn't make adjustments. But, you know, you got one of the biggest guys on the floor. Why aren't you feeding him, man? Why, what's happening there? What, what, what's the game plan? Was the conversation at halftime? Down at halftime, I think they were down 27, 23. They scored 23 points at halftime. Wake up. Get off the bus.
0: Well, I mean, that's also that's also the difference between – a relatively new head coach. I think it's what Juwan's like second or third season. And then Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin has been around forever. But Mick, Cron- I mean Mick Cronin, Cronin, Cronin was at your wedding. Was he? Jer- <laughs> he was. You know, he like I said, he's seen shit. Hours <laughs> never even thought of. <laughs> so it's one of those things that experience age and treachery over youth. Oh, you know, man. but can, you know, good for Mick. You know, he's definitely restoring what kind of went by the base uh, by the wayside when they brought in Ben Howland and it just kind of went into this UCLA death. Yeah.
1: Until they get clapped against (laughs) Gonzaga in their next game, but enough about college basketball. Uh, Let's move to major league baseball, which starts tomorrow. It's our favorite sport. It's the best sport. It's a, it's a shark. It's an alligator. It's there's, there's, there's nothing could make it uh, bad except for Rob Banford. But, Unfortunately, the White Sox are going to be up without one of their best players for the whole season because he because Eloy Jimenez tried to rob a home run in a in a spring game. He tore his pectoral muscle. He's going to be out five to six months. Man, what a blow. And a lot of people picked the White Sox to win the division, even compete for the World Series. They brought in La Russa. Man, they were going for it this year. What should the White Sox do? To replace Eloy Jimenez, or do they even have to? Do they have enough to stay the course?
0: Well, let's just see what they have to replace here. I mean, last year, 296 batting average, 14 home runs in a limited sample size, only 213 at bats, shortened season. So it's to be expected. But career in two seasons, he's already belted out 45 home runs. <laughs> He's already driven in 120 ribbies. He scored 95 runs. So he is a significant He's a big dude. part. He's a big dude. 6'4", 240. He is a significant part of this offense. Jose Abreu is going to have to continue to be the MVP of the league. You're going to have to get some, you know, you're going to have to get Yoel Moncada. You're going to have to have Tim Anderson. These guys are going to have to play. Look at the outfield right now. Without Eloy Jimenez, you have you have Luis Robert. I don't call him Robert; Luis Robert. It sounds better. Uh, He's legit. Adam Eaton. I don't fucking believe he's still alive. With the Nationals, Adam. Yes, not only is he alive, he went back to the White Sox. Good for you, Adam. I don't believe in you. And then Adam Ingle is going to step in right now. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Sounds like a White Sox already.
0: eggs Ex- that's that's it but you know what you know what Tony, Tony LaRouche is going to be saying give me Vaughn Andrew Vaughn one of their top prospects has made this team the problem is he's a first baseman so it doesn't help you in the field it might help replace what uh, Eloy brings to the bat though
1: yeah I'm I'm a doubter I think they need to make a move uh, the first name I thought about was Nick Marcakis. He retired. Give him a call. Work something out. Tell him you'll you'll give him a house, a car, whatever it's gonna take. I mean, I think Nick Marcakis can give you two can give you a two sixty batting average, twenty home runs, and about eighty RBI in that lineup. He's in fifteen years he's got twenty three hundred hits. I I I just he's a career two eighty eight hitter. I think you got to give him a call. Try it out. Puig, I don't know. Cespedes, I don't know. But you got to give, you got to, you got to give it the try because they're literally one outfielder away from being a legit contender for a title.
0: I mean, it's close. They definitely needed to do more. Depth is an issue and Adam Eaton was not the answer. So, uh, yeah, so maybe they're just waiting for some cutdowns, some waiver claims, something like that. But I, I don't know. I don't see it. I, I really, I really don't see where help is going to come from. Joanna Cespedes is great. He's thirty five years old, and he just quit on the Mets <laughs> because he didn't like what they were going <laughs> to do regarding his playing time. What is he gonna do in five or six months when him when Jimenez is back? Like, is he gonna sulk and pout and quit again? Like, that is a bad precedent, and I'm not a fan of that. Nick Markakis would be great, but I don't think he's coming back to anybody except for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, I just think that
1: he's not I coming back he's at from all. From
0: Georgia, <laughs> no, he's done. He's good.
1: I'm good, Tony. Uh, and, I'm good, know. Tony. No, I'm not, I'm not going yeah. to Chicago. And- Absolutely not. I'll stay here. No. Right. Uh,
0: do you go get a Cameron Mabin? Do you go get a John Jay? I know these guys have already got been cut loose. But is that really – that's a band-aid on a bullet wound. I'm I don't bleeding. necessarily I'm think bleeding. that that's going to help bleeding. them. I'm still gushing blood know. here. I don't know. But uh, they got to do something. But the, the one thing they can't do is get off to a slow start. That's the thing. Because if they get off to the slow start, exacerbated by the fact that, he, that he's not going to be there for six months, it's going to be panic time pretty fast. Okay. It's the in route where friends of the show get a special segment with us. Want to get in on the action? Want to be part of the in crowd? Hit us up. mail at gmail.com or slide in our DMs at FadeRoutePodcast on IG.
1: Joining us now for the in-route is the sports director of WGCH in Greenwich, Connecticut, and the voice of the Hudson Valley Renegades, which is a single-A affiliate of the New York Yankees. Rob Adams, welcome to the show, and thanks for taking the time to speak with us tonight.
2: Damian, Anthony, good to talk to you guys. Thanks for the time.
1: Of course. I'm going to hit you with the hard questions early. Uh, with the with the, <laughs> adi- with the additions of Kluber and Talian, have the Yankees addressed their most glaring weakness, which everybody perceives is their rotation?
2: I I think. Look, it, we all know it's a, it's a results driven world. If the Yankees get the results out of Tyone and a Kluber. They're going to be just fine. Um, you know, they've got one of the best pitchers in baseball at the top of the rotation. I'm not going to tell you he's the best pitcher. I'm not even going to tell you he's the best pitcher in New York. But Cole is <laughs> Cole is fantastic. You know, in any other world that doesn't include Jacob Degrom, Cole would be the best pitcher. But Degrom is there. Um, I, I think the Yankees made some bold moves bringing both these arms in. If their arms are healthy, if their bodies are healthy then they've done some good things. But it could turn out to be an epic disaster. The early returns have been okay, though.
1: Right. Uh, you can never account for injuries. You know, that's that's the tough part about baseball. Uh, yeah. But with the season starting tomorrow, uh, who are you expecting to have maybe a breakout season or a surprising season? And then who do you think we can count on to also disappoint us as the season rolls on?
2: Well, I, I think Sanchez continues to be a big concern for the Yankees. I don't know if, you know, can we be any more disappointed than he's already been to uh, to a Yankee fan. Um, I, I'm hoping for bigger things from Glaber. You know, he, he came into camp last year looking great, then went through some weight problems before the restart later on. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's a guy that's otherwise going to disappoint. I would be, I'm a little concerned about DJ LeMayhew only in the way that he got the big contract and I don't want him to worry about living up to it. Now he is called the machine for a reason because he doesn't think about any of this stuff. So I tend to think he's going to be okay.
1: Yeah, I think it would be a terrible disappointment if DJ is not able to really contribute this year.
0: Yeah, if you if you've heard if you've listened to the show recently, you uh, know as well as I do that we are not the biggest Gary Sanchez fans in the world. So I think we are we're right on lockstep with you on that. I mean, he needs to he needs to be better. He needs to go back to. You know, rookie of the year, rookie Gary Sanchez, not the most recent Gary
2: Sanchez. There, That's for damn sure. There are so many things about his game that trouble me. I worry about his pitch, you know, his pitch calling. His rapport mm. with pitchers obviously is an issue. Uh, his plate coverage is terrible as a catcher. We all know about the past balls. And obviously, offensively, he he wasn't even anemic. He was invisible. And we know there have been poor hitting catchers. Traditionally, that was part of being a catcher was you took the, the great defense with an OK bat. You know, not everybody was Mike Piazza. Not everybody was Johnny Bench. Not everybody was Yogi Berra. Now we're seeing bigger offensive catchers in this day and age. But Sanchez, you know, Sanchez might as well take us back to, to a, a far different time because his offense is just awful.
1: Do you think they're asking him too much? I feel like they're paying him to, to hit well and catch well and he's not doing either of those right now.
2: No, I don't. I, I think those pieces were there when he was a rookie. You know, did why why did he surprise us all and kind of give us those good early year or two? Because it wasn't just the rookie year's second year wasn't so bad. It's it's really been after that that he has just been a, a disaster to the point that it's it's troubling, you know. You almost feel bad for the guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it does coincide a little bit to when Joe Girardi allegedly started messing with his head mm. behind the plate and uh, definitely kind of made him call into question what he was doing behind the plate. Maybe it's getting a little – it got a little mechanical for him. And, you know, ultimately that's why they end up making the managerial switch. So you can say what you will about, you know – x's and o's and execution but at the end of the day it was about player relations why joe girardi is still not the manager of this team
2: yeah and look we can't complain about aaron boone because the results have actually been pretty great regular season wise they have not been great postseason wise but Girardi was a pretty terrific manager, and I, I think he makes a team better. Not every manager does. I think Girardi does. Uh, I think he makes the Phillies that much better. And never forget what he did with the very first team he had, the Marlins. I mean, he did a great job with them.
1: Yeah, Speaking about Joe Girardi and Aaron Boone, the Yankees are famous for really having – Only a few managers over the last 21 years, and we pretty much had Joe Girardi, Joe Torrey, and now Aaron Boone. At what point would it be fair to discuss Aaron Boone's job security this season?
2: Well, you know, I, I think you got to look again at the results. If the, if the Yankees go on and, you know, they, if they have a, another 95-100 win year, I don't think he's going anywhere even with another subpar performance in the postseason. It's, it's when, you know, they fail to make the playoffs or, you know, if there's that actual borderline, you know, 500 year or something like that, then, then he's going to be in trouble. It's amazing the level of stability that the managerial role with the Yankees has been, as you've alluded to. But prior to those 21 years, you know, obviously those Steinbrenner years from 73 until Joe Torre in 96 were just a joke. They were embarrassing for the team.
0: Yeah. To, to say it was volatile is a, a gross understatement. Oh. And so, so with all that said, What are your predictions for the Yankees this season? Where do you see them and how far do you see them going?
2: I do think they win the American League East, so long as they're healthy. Uh, And that's not exactly going out on a, a, you know, a big limb. Um, I, I don't think that any other team has the level of talent. You've already got Springer starting on the IL for the Blue Jays. And I think the Blue Jays will be fun. I think the Blue Jays will be a contender. And they might even be, maybe be a playoff team. I'm not sure the Red Sox are, are getting dangerously close to being real or they're getting dangerously close to falling off a cliff. That's it's going to go either way with the Red Sox. Um, I'm always impressed with what Tampa Bay does in that division with what little they supposedly have. And look, before the Renegades became a Yankee team, they were a Tampa Bay team. So I watched them do this for a long time. Um, I'm always impressed and I guess I shouldn't count them out, but you know, big losses with Blake Snell and so on. And the Orioles are, are, you know, the Orioles might have the worst owner in in baseball, if not all of sports. I just think he is an abysmal person uh, when it comes right down to it. Just the things he has done with Baltimore have been terrible. All that said, I think the Yankees win the division. I think they're, you know, are are they a 95-98 win team? I think that's possible. Can they go over 100? Yes. I think the sky's the limit for them so long as they're healthy. The pieces come together. I can see them standing toe-to-toe in the World Series finally because this is, you know, for a Yankee world, this is amazing to go this long without a World Series appearance. I know we're spoiled. I I get that. Believe me.
0: So, I mean, they do have the squad capable of making it to the World Series. Uh, Who do you have them staring down from the National League?
2: What's your World Series prediction? I I hate to be so bland, but right now, until somebody beats the Dodgers, I I can't see it any other way than Yankees-Dodgers right now. You know, I can see the Astros making some noise. I can see the White Sox are a flavor of the month pick. Um, Again, the Blue Jays are kind of lingering around. You know, there are teams like that in the American League. But the, I feel like the the bigger heavy hitters come from the National League. You have to be impressed by what the Padres have done. The Padres have really gone for it to make San Diego a baseball mad town. And keep in mind, San Diego doesn't have a lot sports-wise these days unless you're into college sports with the Chargers going to L.A. It's it's the Padres' time to take over that city once and for all. Um and, and you think about what they have done in San Diego they can make a big run I hope I hope it's Yankees Do- Yankees Red Sox West I hope the Dodgers and Padres just beat the beast out of each other and then the Yankees can just go okay we've got this um but I I, I could very much see that being the the national league championship is uh Dodgers Padres
0: No, that's very fair. I mean, like you said, there are a lot of heavy hitters. Yeah, we're touching on, we're going to do our picks for the National League East. You didn't even mention the Mets, didn't mention the Braves. You didn't mention the Phillies. If they get some pitching help, I mean, I don't expect anything out of the National League Central. So, I mean, maybe the Cardinals will do something, but it definitely, like the top four teams in that league will definitely give the Yankees a run for their money. But uh, transitioning to football, we know you are a huge Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. fan. And uh, grade their offseason. What do you expect them to do in the draft?
2: Oh, boy. You know, it, it used to be the conventional wisdom was, you know, go get a running back. But this is just not a running back league anymore, even though they need some kind of stability in the backfield. It became too Ben Roethlisberger heavy, uh, and I and I love Ben. I, I do. I, I think he's been a great player for a long time. He's not Terry Bradshaw, but that's okay. It Doesn't have to be. If he's the second greatest quarterback in Steelers history, there's no harm in that. You know, he still won two Super Bowls yeah. and went to a third, so no harm there. Um, I'm. I'm f- Fairly content that they've done what they've done in terms of moving pieces around because they have major cap issues that they were able to bring Juju back. And look, I like Juju a lot. I think he's more personality than he is great receiver. Um, I, I don't know that he's a top flight receiver. He's a nice one or two option, but not a huge one. You know, this is this is not the. the the top of the line when we're talking about receivers I think Juju's really good the Steelers have a good collection of receivers who dropped way too many passes last year so that needs to get cleaned up but mostly it's I'm concerned about a running back and then the offensive line the offensive line was really troubling and I love Al Villanueva love him you know served our country he's a good man But it was tough to watch at times last year, you know, and and Marquise Pouncey stepping away and retiring. So there are holes to me on the offensive line that need to get cleaned up. I don't know if that's the route they'll go, but I do need I do think that's a a huge need to address.
0: No, that's absolutely fair, especially when you lose when you lose the quality of players that you lose and you did. I mean at one point that team was 11 yeah. and oh i mean we can, we definitely need to keep that in mind to have such a drastic fall off the cliff i mean major changes needed to be made but uh we'll get you here out here on this one rob you've been instrumental in my broadcasting career we i started at csb you were one of my teachers and uh what advice would you give someone who wants to get into the sports broadcasting industry
2: there are so many things I would say, and I do still teach there, and uh I, I love talking about it. Um the first thing I always tell students is just network, just meet people. And and don't just meet them and be like, Oh yeah, okay, I met that guy. No, you you gotta stay in touch with these people because you just never know. When a door is going to open and I'm still saying this to myself, you know, years ago I was in touch with Brian Anderson, who is now a huge star at Turner and, you know, all the stuff he has done uh, with the brewers and everything. I think I still have his cell phone number, but I don't feel quite as comfortable reaching back out and going, Hey Brian, it's been a decade or so. How are you? Um, but I do think networking is so important. Just knowing people, don't burn any bridges. I know this is such a, a, a lousy business at times. It's a brutal business at times. But be good to the people that you, you've, you've met. Uh, do your grumbling somewhere else where, where you need to do it. And just grind. You just have to work at this. You know, If it's something you really believe in, it's got to be your passion. You guys are showing it by doing something like this. And that often means... Doing stuff not for the glory, not for the glamour, not for the money. Doing it just because you're, you're just getting the reps. And even me, after all these years, I still do things just to just to keep sharp and stay at it. And those to me are all very important things. Um, be open-minded. Always be open-minded to opportunity. I, I, I tell students that all the time. When you, you want to be in sports, that's great. But if someone comes along and says, hey, I need you to go report a story, uh, a news story for me, go do it. You never know. You, you just never know where it's going to lead you and you want to stay relevant in this business. And then the last thing I always say is just stay humble because, again, this business can beat this, just really beat you up.
0: Not totally. It definitely, I mean, it can suck the the passion and suck the soul out of you if you let it. That's 100% true. So, uh, you know, definitely great sage words and you know thanks for coming on i really appreciate it newest member of the in crowd and hopefully we can do this again in person someday when we don't have to worry about a global that
2: would that would be a very nice thing i'm looking forward to being in a stadium with at least some fans i hope we keep getting more fans in the door and i appreciate what you guys are doing really nice of you to ask me to come on and i'll come back anytime Appreciate it, Rob. Thanks a lot. And Thanks, you know, Rob. Right, if
0: you have, if you ever need anybody, just hit us Sounds up too, good. all right? You got it. <laughs> all right. Take Thanks, it easy. guys. Do you well. too. I'm getting hungry over here. Should have cooked up some dinner. And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook, eat how you want to eat, eat as you eat it. That's as you eat it, available only on YouTube. AZ, you eat it. Check it out and let's get cooking. More or less?
1: Well, boys and girls, it's time for one of our favorite games to play, More Likely or Less Likely. I will read a statement, and we will say it's more likely or less likely. All right, first one up, More Likely or Less Likely. Andre Drummond will help the Lakers this season.
0: Well, I'm going more likely on this. In the 25 games he has played this season, he was averaging. 17 and a half, so 18, 14, and 3. So those numbers will definitely help. Are they Anthony Davis numbers? No, they are not. But every little bit helps. You're you're down Schroeder. You're down LeBron. You're down Anthony Davis. You need as much as you can get. And the most important thing about Andre Drummond, he provides interior defense. They are not going to get shredded with him in the middle like they have been. So, however long it's going to be, uh, he's definitely an upgrade over what they have, and it is more likely that he is going to be a success for them.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to break this into two sections. I'm going to say if, if Anthony Davis has not come back and he's on 100%, I'm going to say it's more likely because he's going to take uh, a terrible Laker team and make it an average team. But with AD, if AD comes back, he's 100%. I'm going to see less likely because I don't see how what he's going to do. He's a good rebounder, and he's a solid defender, but the Lakers need scoring. They're going to need to score a lot of points to keep up with their competition in the playoffs and in the championship. So uh, I, I'm breaking it down into into two avenues. Well,
0: it makes, makes total sense. The one thing about that is that, with Anthony Davis, the two injuries that he has makes him virtually unreliable. Uh, you don't know how long it's going to take. It does it flare up again. Having an Achilles in addition to your knee, it's, you know, for a big man, forget it. Like, that's that's going to be tough. It's almost as bad as LeBron's high ankle. Yeah, strength. high ankle. So, both of them – those are the th- some of the worst injuries you could possibly get, especially at an advanced age. In NBA high, high
1: ankle sprains are the worst. Okay, next statement. More likely, less likely, the Rockets will win more games than the Buffalo Sabres. For those of you that don't know, the Sabres are on a 18-game losing streak. They blew a three-goal lead last night to the Flyers, who they're playing again today. Uh, so far, they're six and twenty-three on the season. Uh, the Rockets—they've had people leaving for the last two months, starting with James Harden—and uh, they're currently thirteen and thirty-three. But what say you? Uh, Rockets will win more games than the Buffalo Sabers—more likely or less likely?
0: This is tough. I'm gonna say this is like <laughs> the two bowls of shit, and which one smells less offensive? the rockets they don't score they don't rebound they don't play defense they don't do anything particularly well but they still have their coach the buffalo sabers have lost eichel they've lost their they've, they've lost a significant amount of talent they got their head coach fired ralph kruger it's addition by subtraction ralph kruger sucks as a head coach anyway ask anybody who has ever played for ralph kruger He is not a good NHL head coach. I don't understand why he got a second chance to begin with. But there is one thing that the Buffalo Sabres can hang their hats on. They are the third worst in giving up goals. They are dead last in scoring goals. But they are 13th in the league in power play. So at least you have that. If, by the grace of God, Somebody takes a penalty on the opposition; they have a 22% chance that they are going to score. Good for you. So, with that said, I am going to say the Buffalo Sabres are going to win more games than the Houston. Ops wow.
1: This year. Uh, I'm I'm just going to say less likely. Uh, I've seen them play and and hearing their <laughs> hearing their current coach talk at the post game said it all. The reporter asked him, "So, what are you going to say to the team?" He's like, "I'm not going to say anything to him." I got nothing to say to them. <laughs> I'm going to let them think about what just happened. <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> their, their goalie can't stop anything. And it's just, it's a mental thing right now. Like in the third period, they're just trying to find ways to lose. Um, You kind of rooted for them last night. I was kind of hoping they would get out of it. But I mean, they're six and 23. The Rockets are 13 and 33, but... But the one thing I will say about the Rockets is, is that everybody who's there and playing right now, they actually want to be there. Even John Wall. Even John Wall. He wants to be there. He wants to win games. He wants to show that he can still play at an elite level. Everybody there wants to play. Everybody's playing hard. I think the Buffalo Sabres are like, man, this can't end soon enough.
0: No. But it, it's it's an embarrassment, for the expectations that Terry Pagula and the NHL in general has put on the Buffalo Sabres. And it's now gotten to the point where they're changing the rules around the draft lottery. So teams like Buffalo and New Jersey can't repeatedly benefit from sucking so bad. (laughs) So it might be a very long time before the Buffalo Sabres are any
1: good. Okay. Last one. Uh, More likely, less likely, Cespedes will get a job. Before Yasiel Puig, who was a good one?
0: I'm going to go more likely, and it pains me to do so. Johannes Cespedes, at this point in his career, is only a DH. Like, I would not stick him in the outfield with the extensive surgeries that he has had on his legs. That being said, Yasiel Puig has never quit on his team, to the best of my knowledge, but Yohannes Cespedes also doesn't have a sexual assault charge right. pending against him. So that's the one thing that works against Yasiel Puig. So that is unfortunately putting me in the camp of Ioannis Cespedes getting a job. And I'm already calling my shot. He's going to end up with the White Sox at some point to play with his half-brother, who they just brought in this year as a minor league free agent. And he's one of their top prospects. He's 23. So he's still, I mean, he's on the verge of kind of being ready. So he may be the guy that comes up and replaces Eloy Jimenez at least for a little bit, but I'm seeing them taking at least a flyer on Yoenis Cespedes. I'm gonna say yeah, I'm likely.
1: gonna say more likely too, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's got a sexual he's got a sexual assault charge on him right now. So I, I don't think anybody's gonna touch him. I, he was in Braves camp last year, and he just you know he, he was playing lousy. uh, I don't think anybody wants to touch him right now. I don't think anybody wants him to play on their team. Uh, the only problem with Cespedes is, is he's, he's only played in 127 games in the last four years. But when he's played, he's being productive. Uh, his attitude is terrible. And, uh, you don't have to yeah, tell me. I, I, lived know, it. I,
0: I know. So yeah. I, Dude, but if you look at the numbers, like it is crazy. Yoannis Cespedes in his career has hit 165 home runs, right? Yasiel Puig has only hit 132, so it's not that far off. Puig is a .277 career batting average. Cespedes is at .273. They're roughly the same. Uh, I
1: would disagree in the standpoint where I think Cespedes is as a better hitter, and I think Puig is a better base runner, better outfielder, better Better all-around player, a Puig is steal bases. I don't know how many stolen bases Cespedes has, but yeah. Oh, so no. I would say that yeah, home run hitter, power hitter, Cespedes. But at one point, Yasiel Puig was a good, a, a, an above-average baseball player.
0: He was a very, he was above average. You know, his always. I mean, that's how he got the nickname the Wild Horse. He was always do some things that make you question if he was actually paying attention to what the uh, hell was going yeah. on. So <laughs> Cespedes, is, Cespedes is definitely more of a disciplined player, but Yasiel Puig, one unbridled is... That's me, a nice way of saying he was Cespedes. an asshole. <laughs> That's a very nice way of saying All he was right. an asshole.
1: All right. Are you in need of air care, maintenance, or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling, maintenance, and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians@gmail.com. at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that D&Z sent you. Order up. All right. So uh, we're going to do our order up segment. This is the last division. We've covered all the divisions for Major League Baseball. Today, we're going to do the NL East, which in my opinion is the best division in baseball. And both of our favorite teams actually reside in this division with baseball's season kicking off tomorrow. How fitting is it that we finish this today? So, order up. Uh, What do you got? Your countdown from 5 to 1. How's it going to lay out in the NL East?
0: This is a surprisingly tough division, When especially when you take into account that the Marlins were in the, the playoffs last year. So you also, you know, you have to keep that in mind. The Mets added, the Braves added, the Phillies added, the Nationals added. Like you have guys here. This is going to be a tough. This is going to be a tough selection for last place. It's going to be close, but I'm taking the Marlins just for the simple fact that. I don't believe that last year was legit. I think it was an aberration. You're bringing those guys back. You're adding a few guys to the mix. I mean, you're bringing in your Corey Dickersons, your Starling Marte's, Jesus Aguilar, Adam Duvall. You're bringing in these quadruple-A players to kind of stem the tide here. But your pitching staff is still young. It's still relatively unproven, even with the playoff berth sorry guys you're in last place um fourth place I'm gonna take the Phillies I don't believe in their rotation I've seen Zach Wheeler like, I've seen you the, the good of Zach Wheeler he did I said how's it hanging Zach and I said it well I need Tommy John again so there you go so it's not hanging too well it's Aaron Nola and four other dudes as far <laughs> as I'm concerned Hector Norris was named their closer." Peckner and Reese is eh. I personally would have chosen Archie Bradley. I like Archie Bradley a lot better in that role. The lineup kind of plays. You do have veteran presence in that lineup. I can't stand Bryce Harper. I I just can't, but I do like, I love me some Didi Gregorius. I think he's going to have a great year. Uh, Reese Hoskins, decent player. Kutch, even at at a relatively advanced age, Kutch is Kutch. Real Muto, we're going to see what he's about. And I mean... They already had to send Scott Kingery the out. About like that. They I just heard they signed about him to a huge. They signed him to a huge four million dollars, and he is, and he's not cracking the. He's not cracking the big league team. So yeah, fourth place. Enjoy it, Joe. Can he hit? I'm sorry,
1: uh, if he can hit, how come yeah, he's not hitting?
0: Apparently, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's because they moved him to center field from second base. I I don't know. Like there are lots of things, but he's got to work it out on his own. Third place, I'm going with the Nationals. They didn't do enough for me. They had to say they sent out Carter Keboom and Now you have what Josh Harrison at third base. You know, great great. We're we're rehashing Pittsburgh Pirates from six years ago. So that's great. Schwarber, Schwarber. I don't know. Schwarber was dead. He should have been on an American League team. This guy needs to hang up his glove and forget where he put it. Uh, Josh Bell was a good addition I, I do like what he brings to the team but I don't know if he's necessarily going to overcome everybody else not playing well I mean you're going to get a good year from Turner you're going to get a good year from Soto Starling Castro was eh Jan Gomes is eh so uh third place is very reasonable just from the strength of that rotation they added John Lester John Lester at this point in his career is slotted in as a four so I'd say that's pretty solid and they got my closer. They got Brad Hand. I really wanted him on the Mets. But you know what? It is what it is. Now, it's down to the real nitty-gritty. These are the two teams that are going to slug it out the entire season. It's the Mets, and it's the Braves. And I'm going to go with the Braves in second place because I don't like their rotation as much as I like the Mets rotation, even with the injuries. Morton, Freed, Anderson, Smiley, solid for unspectacular. I know it's going to be on your tombstone. Um, Will Smith is your closer. Eh, Okay. And then the lineup plays, but what are you going to get from Austin Riley? And what are you going to get from Christian, Christian Pache? Everybody else. And let's not forget Travis Like which Travis Darno is going to show up this year. The guy who stunk for the Mets or the guy who actually hit pretty well for the Braves, everybody else. I'm not concerned about that in that, in that lineup. Which leads me to the number one. Don't call me a homer. If you call me a homer, fuck you. The New York Mets are tailor-made to take this division from one to nine in that lineup. The weakest, guy, the weakest hitter, Brandon Nimmo, but he still gets on base at a ridiculous clip between the walks and the hit-by-pitches. And you look at that rotation, yeah, you don't have Carrasco. You don't have Syndergaard right now. You have Degrom. You have Stroman. You have Taiwan Walker. That is a nice little under-the-radar signing. You brought in Joey Lucchese, veteran pitcher from the the Padres. David Peterson, I like what he brings to the table. He was solid last year. Edwin Diaz scares the shit out of me. But if the lineup does what they need to do, I'm not going to see too much of sugar. So there it is, my 5-2-1 with the New York Mets. Winning this division, yeah, we're a... very
1: close. Uh, no surprise there. I definitely have the Miami Marlins uh, being at the bottom of the barrel here. They actually have a chance to finish five hundred. I think they proved last year that they could play. I mean, I believe they swept the Cubs in the first round. But I, I think, I think they're too young to compete for a title this year. Um, they got their homegrown talent and Brian Anderson. But he'll have his hands full trying to generate success in this tough division. Uh, number four, it was kind of surprising to me. Uh, I actually have the Phillies in four. I think I, I'm just not scared of Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, or Zach Eflin. I'm just not scared of them. Uh, they were hell bent on getting Real Muto. They got him, but they're gonna need Harper to be more like Mike Trout this year. They're gonna need Harper to play. Like, he's a top-five player, and I just don't think he is. Dave Dombrowski and Joe Girardi, they got a lot of work uh, ahead of them for this team to compete for a championship in the next couple of years. And like you said, that Scott Kendry deal is awful. Like, it's awful. This guy this guy can't play on a major league roster. Um, three, I'm with you. I got the Nationals. I think their pitching will carry them i do i think corbin will be better than he was last year strasburg is going to play this season scherzer is scherzer and like you said john lester's there for i mean when john lester's your four, i i i I think it's pretty good good. uh i just don't know if they have the bats uh to compete with the mets and the braves that's all and number two (laughs) number two i got the new york mets uh Ah, Uh, This all is assuming Pete Alonso rebounds from last year. Lindor plays like Lindor. They'll be fine. Uh, DeGrom is one of the best pitchers in the game, and the Mets can pretty much count on a W every fifth day. That's huge. Not a lot of teams can say that. Their bullpen's deep. I know you're scared of Edwin Diaz, but it's deep. I mean, they got Familia, Batances. They can figure it out. They just got to figure it out. They need to figure it out in the first three months of the season. If they can figure it out in the three months of the season, they'll hold on to number two, and they'll compete for number one. But, yeah, man.
0: The answer, the answer is Seth, Seth Lugo. Lugo. Like the, I know he doesn't yeah. want to hear it, but Seth Lugo is the best Possibly. pitcher in that bullpen, regardless of name talent. talent. Like I mean, talent I've s- all. I mean listen, Lugo's I've seen
1: Batantis enough with the Yankees to know that he's unhittable. He's just a head case, and he's just hard to count on. But if he could, if he could just – if he could just play baseball, just play baseball. Stop overthinking things. His slider is nasty. If he could just play baseball, don't worry about if you're a closer, setup guy, close, just just get the guy out. Strike the motherfucker out. All right. Uh, I, <laughs> That's the thing. I think he might need <laughs> glasses. Dun, like dun, dun, dun. All right. So, and then number one for me is Hotland and Baby. Uh, we got MV free contract year. I believe in Ronald Acuna. I believe he is the third best player in Major League Baseball. He's behind Mookie Betts and Mike Trout. That's it. He's the guy. Don't give me that Juan Soto mm. bullshit. Don't give me that. Don't give Not me that. Nando Fernando Tatis Jr. Tatis Jr. is always hurt. Don't give me that Harper crap. Don't give me that Bellinger. This is the third best player in Major League Baseball. That's the problem with the Mets. They don't have that guy. He's that guy. I believe Austin Raleigh will improve this year, and he's gonna prove that he can play third base in left field for the Atlanta Braves, just like Tripper Jones did at one time. And that's it for me. That's my one through five that's my five, all the way down to one. And how do you think we did? Let us know. What plug plug the email address. <laughs>
0: FadeRouteMail at gmail.com. Hit us up on IG at FadeRoutePodcast. Hit us up on Twitter at FadeRouteDNZ. Just don't call us at home.
1: Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast every Wednesday night on the Anchor, Spotify, or other uh, outlets where you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everybody.